case we haven't met, I'm Dino Colombo. I represent people hurt by a truck. It's what we do every day. I've seen truck accidents devastate families, but we can help. Hurt by a truck? Call Colombo Law. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. As it is written, that's a reference to the Old Testament, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. And no one means no one. All, and all means all, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every giant will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible with you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so glad that you've chosen to spend this time with us today on the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we are continuing with Pastor Keith's teaching series from the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. And now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study. For you are a people holy to God, holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people, for the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you are the fewest You are the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping an oath he swore to your fathers. For the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of slavery from the the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Why? Not because they were special. There was nothing to commend them. And we talked about this before, and we're kind of circling back on this just to kind of help you wrap your mind and your heart around this. There was nothing about the Jewish people to commend them to God. This is where they've gotten it wrong, so down through the ages. As God's chosen people, they're special. They weren't special and became God's chosen people, just like you're not special, right? They were made special because God chose them. We see a picture of this in Ezekiel chapter 16, 1 through 14. And I read this for you before, but I, wanna, I want you to think about what you're reading here, what you're hearing, what the word of God says And so we read in Ezekiel 16, 1 through 14. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations and say, now listen to this, thus says the Lord God, 
to Jerusalem. Your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. And your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. As for your birth, on the day you were, you were born, your cord was not cut. Normally when a baby was born, the cord was cut. They were washed, rubbed with salt, taken care of. As for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut. Nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No eye pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you. But you were cast out into the open field, for you were abhorred on the day you were born. In that culture, in that day, when you wanted to get rid of a baby, you just threw them out in the field and they suffered exposure and they died or animals ate them. And that's where Israel was, Right? No, I pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out on the open field and you were abhorred on the day that you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, there is a pretty picture. I said to you in your blood, live. He repeats it again. I said to you in your blood, live. Verse seven, I made you flourish. Verse 10, I clothed you, I wrapped you. Verse 11, I adorned you. God took the initiative, Israel didn't. In fact, every chance Israel got from from Exodus on through the time of Christ, they broke toward idolatry. There was always just a very smattering, a remnant, but generally they were rebellious idolaters. You know, the cloud by day and the... pillar the column of flame by night Moses is gone for 40 days they build a golden calf and they were like a dog they returned to their vomit right over and over again and God sent the prophets and finally he sent the Christ but he chose them out it's all of God it's his initiative it's his action it's his volition it's his power and isn't that what we saw in our opening passage right Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, and verse 11. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Why? According to the purpose of his will. Verse 11. Having been predestined, why? According to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God chooses, or that is, chose, on the basis of his will. He did not see something special in you. He did not see anything special in me. It was an act of grace. It was all of grace. And that's what grace is, right? Being treated better than you deserve. He did it with Israel. He did it with us. Which brings us to our third question. Question number three. Are people good enough to choose God on their own? Is, there, is the sinner inclined to choose God? And this really comes down to how you read your Bible, right? Uh, there, there was a, a heresy uh, condemned by Catholics and Protestants called Pelagianism. And Pelagius said, people aren't dead in their sins and trespasses. Pelagius probably never read Ephesians 2, right? Uh, but they're, they're just wounded, and there's still good in them. And so therefore, they can choose God. They can choose rightly. 
you know. And so that out of that heresy comes the idea that God looks down the corridors of time and he chooses those, he elects those who he knows are going to choose him. But that's completely contradictory to the teachings of Scripture. And now John O is teaching uh, Ephesians 2 next week, and I don't want to steal any of his thunder, but there's that big statement in there, but God, right? And you were dead, not wounded, not crippled. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. And it says, but God, with the great love with which he loved us, but rather than do that, we'll go over to, to Romans and we'll stay out of Ephesians 2 so John can teach that. But in Ephesians, excuse me, in Romans 3, 10 through 18, we read this. And this is the Holy Spirit through the pen of the Apostle Paul quoting Psalm 14, 1 through 3, and Psalm 53, 1 through 3. As it is written, that's a reference to the Old Testament, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. And no one means no one. All, and all means all, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and their way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God, no reverence for God before their eyes. This is where we see the effects of the fall. You know, we like to think, well, there's a little something good in us. Even the good that we do outside of Christ, before we are saved, your good deeds, as Isaiah says, are filthy rags. And your good deeds are wrongly motivated. You, wanna, you want people to think well of you. You want to make sure that you don't do anything to attract the ire of people. And I used this once before, and I'll use it again and again. In the old days, they used to say you could get a merit badge in the Boy Scouts by helping a little old lady across the street. And I used to say, and that was sin. Because you're doing it for a merit badge, not for the glory of God. It's a form of idolatry. You know, the motive is wrong. That is a picture of the human race. That's what they call radical depravity or, or total depravity, not that you're as bad as you could be, but that every human being is sinful. Total depravity. Our moral compass is broken. We are spiritually disabled. It, it is like a self-inflicted wound. And that's why we read in Romans 8, 7 and 8, for the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You are bent away, inclined away from God, not inclined toward him, bent away from him. Our motives are wrong. Our desires are wrong. Our appetites are wrong. Our intentions are self-serving. Can we prove that from God's word? That no one is good enough to choose God on their own. Well, God said in Genesis 6, 5, right before he wiped out every human being except for Noah and his family, said this, the Lord saw the wickedness of man, of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, continually 
we see here how sin contaminates the very fabric of our being. Ours is a congenital illness, you might say. It's a, it's a, it's a terminal disease, original sin, and then if that weren't bad enough, we make sin of our own. And even after the flood, with that tremendous wiping out of humanity, we read this. Man has come off the ark. He has made a sacrifice to God. And it says this in Genesis 8, 21. And and when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. Watch this prepositional phrase here. For the intention of man's heart is evil, from his youth. This is an immutable thing like gender. You know, you're male or female. It's unchanging. It's immutable. It's not fluid. This is who you are. This is how you are. And you are a sinner. And apart from God, you would stay a sinner alienated from him. Is there any possibility that one of us is special enough to get around that, to change our nature, to change our fallen nature? Well, Jeremiah gives this beautiful word picture in Jeremiah 13, 23. And what does he say? He asks a rhetorical question, of which the answer, of course, is no. Can an Ethiopian change his skin color or the leopard his spots? Or you could say, or a man or a woman their gender? Then also, you can do good who are accustomed to do evil. You cannot change who you are. That's who you are. An Ethiopian in that day was black and a leopard had spots and they are powerless to change them. You are powerless to save yourself apart from divine intervention. We sin and we sin willingly, we do it deliberately and we do it often. And even as believers, don't we struggle with sin? And yet there's this other question, question number four, our final question more or less. And in it is this vine, is this vine, is this veiled allegation, this veiled accusation against the Lord God, the Almighty. What did Isaiah say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah stood before the holy God and he said, Oy vey yitzirim, woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. And the seraphim flew over and cleansed his lips with the hot coals, right? Did he do anything? No, he just freaked out because he knew he was toast. So is it unfair of God to choose? Is God unfair or righteous and gracious and good? Because there are people who say, I cannot serve a God like that. Maybe you can't, but if you're a Christian, you will. You know, we have to be careful not to forget who God is and what man is. We want to be careful. Imagine walking your dog and your dog rears its head in judgment over you. Okay? Well, you're not quite as elevated as a dog relative to God. But you're, you're like a pet, okay? You're, you're, you're the owned, not the owner. You're the lower creature. And we must do all we can to avoid ever putting ourselves in place of God. 
It is God who judges. It is God who justifies. It is God who declares us righteous. And, and we are impotent. And who, who, who will, if it's God who justifies, render a charge against God's elect? And what does God say himself about these allegations? Is God fair or unjust? I remember uh, there was a, a seminary professor, when you ask a really stupid question in public, he would say, do you really want to ask that question? Here in front of all these people? Romans 10, excuse me, Romans 9, 10 through 25. It says this, and not only so, but also when Rebecca had conceived Children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of the works of him, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? The answer is, by no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So it depends not on human will or exertion on works, but on God who has mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Verse 18, so, so then he has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? You're just the dog on a leash. Will the molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath, to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Indeed, as he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not my beloved, I will call beloved. And in this very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, that they will be called sons of the living God. Paul is talking to you and me about you and me because pretty much all of us here as far as I can tell are Gentiles. So would you rather be not saved and have to earn it? How many frequent flyer miles would that take? Do you want justice or do you want grace? Can you afford justice And what is grace? Grace is Christ's riches, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, if you want to define it simply, is getting better from God than you deserve. 
God raised you up. He chose you for such a time as this. He has given you a purpose. He has taken you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you into his marvelous light. Why? Sorry, John O., but we're going to Ephesians 2.10 here. For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we, the elect, should walk in them. Fair? Let's hope God isn't fair. Because if God is fair, every one of you and I stand condemned and without hope right now. Because there's none righteous, no, not one, none who seeks for God. So God came after us. He came after Cain when he killed Abel. Came after Adam and Eve when they betrayed him. Came after Moses and Israel. Came after Israel through the prophets. Came after humanity through the Christ. And so we get better than we deserve because of God's sovereign grace personified in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So what do you do with all of this? Well, let's kind of go through the questions again. Did God choose? He did. So thank God and be grateful that he picked you. On what basis did God choose? Not on, not on anything that you've done, but according to the purpose of his will known only by him. Be grateful. Be thankful to the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. Be good with that. Trust him because he is worthy of your trust. Three, are people good enough to choose God on their own? Is a sinner inclined to choose God? What does the Bible say? No. If, if God didn't choose you, you would not choose him. Again, be grateful. Be thankful. You know, it should give you liberty in your evangelism too. You deliver the message. You let God be God. You abide in Christ you preach his word, you let him do the heavy lifting. Number four, is God unfair or is he righteous and gracious? Yes. God, as you know it, as a human being, a fallen creature, is unfair. By grace are you saved through faith, not of works, not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. Therefore, he is righteous and gracious by definition. Why? Because he is God. He is the definition. What he does, what he says, what he writes, what he thinks, who he is, is by definition righteous, and everything else after that is unrighteous. Be careful not to set yourself as judge over the Almighty. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for the clarity and simplicity of your word in Ephesians Chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. We thank you for the clarity and simplicity of your word from Genesis to Revelation. Some passages, Father, are harder to understand than others, but we can let Scripture interpret Scripture and inform our understanding. And those passages that some would raise up as exceptional actually prove the rule because they are exceptional. Lord, help us to live lives grateful gratefully because you set your love on us for reasons unknown to us but reasons that are perfect good and righteous and help us therefore lord to live in light of that to live in humility to not look down on anybody like we're special 
but to look up to you in worship and in love and in adoration. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. Planet Oat Oat Milk is so rich and creamy. I love it in my cereal, but also in smoothies. With zero grams of sugar in Planet Oat unsweetened varieties. But it gets even better. It's an excellent source of calcium with vitamins A and D that's delicious in everything. Mmm, including my lattes. Pick up the carton that has it all. Or visit planetoat.com for more. Planet Oat. Be good to you.